Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. I brought my water bottle because I lost my voice like two weeks ago and St. Anthony still hasn't found it yet for me. So this is, uh, just pray that I can keep talking. Isn't that what you always pray for, right? (laughs) You're all like, this is an answer to our prayers. (laughs) Oh man. All right. Well, friends, here we are. Feast of the baptism of the Lord. It's the end of the Christmas season. Christmas season at this weekend. It's officially over. You can finally put away the Christmas decorations. Or if you're like my family, they'll still be up at like when March Madness is going on. So um, don't tell Father Joe. I'm sure he won't like that. (laughs) But I always get so upset on, uh, maybe I'm the only one, but like the day after Christmas, you're driving through neighborhoods and you see Christmas trees already on the curb. Anybody else see that and it just drives you? I always think, I'm like, what Scrooge lives there, right? Like, as Catholics, we celebrate Christmas for days, for a whole season. It's too great of a mystery to pack into one day. So, so the Christmas season concludes with this feast of the baptism of the Lord, which is such a significant moment in the life of the Lord. Just such a significant moment. His baptism by John in the Jordan River. But what I want us to contemplate uh, this evening is how this moment in the Lord's life, this moment that's so pregnant with meaning, I want us to contemplate how this moment is so deeply connected to our life. Uh, the Lord's baptism is, is so deeply mysterious and is so deeply connected to our own identity, our own self-understanding. Like, in other words, his baptism made possible something for us that before it was impossible. That's what I want to talk about. St. Paul, he puts it this way uh, in his letter. Uh, I think it's to the Corinthians. Anyway, he puts it this way. I should have looked it up. No, it's the Romans. Here we go. I did look it up. All right, he says this. For God did not give us a spirit of fear or cowardice, but a spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. I'm going to read that again. I just want to invite you to just like really let that soak in. For God did not give us a spirit of fear or cowardice, but a spirit of adoption through which we cry, Abba, Father. See, what baptism does, among its many effects, what baptism does, it gives us access to the Father by making us into real sons and daughters of the Most High God, right? That when God the Father, after us, when we get baptized, when he beholds us, he doesn't just simply see like another creature. He sees in the depth of our being, he sees the identity of his son. The church teaches that we receive what's called the filial identity. We receive the identity of the son. We become Jesus. When he looks at us, he sees his son, which means we have the same claim on the Father's heart. We move his heart the same way Jesus did. That's who we are because of this sacrament. That's what happens in baptism. Another way to put it is we receive the same gaze from the Father that the Son had. The same look of tenderness and love. See, when I was praying this week, preparing for this feast uh, tonight, the imagery that came to my mind for this feast is that this is a feast, not just simply of the Lord's baptism, this is the feast of the Father's blessing. This is the feast of the Father's blessing. 
This is a blessing that descends not just on Jesus. This is a blessing that descends upon us as well. We're not orphans. We belong to him. This is why St. Paul says we receive a spirit of adoption. It's curious too, right? Why did he say spirit of adoption? Why not just say we become children of God? We receive a spirit of childhood, right? No, he says spirit of adoption for a very specific reason. You see, under Roman law, different than our contemporary adoption law, under Roman law, there was no presumption that you were stuck with the children that you had, which some of you are like, really? (laughs) There was no presumption that you were stuck with the children that you had. If the father of the family, the pater familias, if he looked at the child and he saw some deformity that he didn't like, if he saw something that wasn't good, if he saw that, you know, it's a girl and I wanted a boy or it's a boy, I wanted a girl, that father could take the child and bring the child to the outskirts of the city, let the child be exposed to death, and no one thought anything of it. That was under Roman law. But that same cruelty, that same possibility, didn't apply to adoption. See, you could not, under Roman law, under any circumstances, abandon the child of adoption. Because, of course, the thinking was, you knew what you were getting into. You knew what you were saying yes to. So under Roman law, when St. Paul says we receive a spirit of adoption, to be adopted in the ancient world, what it was implying is my father will never abandon me. My father will never abandon me. He's not going anywhere. That's why St. Paul says we receive a spirit of adoption. That's what happens in our baptism. This is who we are. That's the starting point. You are his. And that declaration that like the heavens are torn open and the father looks upon his son and says, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Those same words, those same words are spoken over every single one of us the moment that we are baptized. He's saying you are mine. And you know what? You can't lose that. I don't care how egregious your sins are. You can't lose it. I don't care how far and fast you run in the wrong direction. Your own sons and daughters who have abandoned the faith that they're running in the wrong direction just 100 miles an hour into the dark, the Lord is looking at them and saying, you're still mine, and I run faster. You can't lose it. So here's the question. This is what I was praying with this week. If all of that's true, Why do so many of us still live and operate as if we're orphans? And what I mean by that is why do we still operate as if we have to earn the Father's love? That's what an orphan spirit is doing in the heart. It's like my place isn't secure. I'm still auditioning. I'm still building up my spiritual curriculum vitae. I'm hoping he'll finally be impressed with me that I'll finally make the cut. Why do we still act as if we're orphans? What blocks us from receiving the Father's blessing, this declaration? And this is where I want to press in, and I want to press in with great reverence because this is, these are places in our hearts um, of immense pain. See, so what blocks us from receiving the Father's blessing is often the unhealed wounds we bear from our own fathers, our own earthly fathers the wounds that we've carried from childhood, the things that we've just looked at and said, like, gosh, you just got to get over that. You were six, you were seven. What blocks us from living in the freedom of the sons of God that he intends for us is exactly the unhealed wounds, traumas, memories, pains from our own fathers and from our own childhoods. 
and the stories that we've told ourselves to protect us from the pain of those memories, right? We've, we've learned to cope, and in coping, we've become resistant to the actual cure, which is the actual love of the Father. The relationships that we all have with our dads, none of us are born into the world with perfect families. Dads, you know it. None of you were or are perfect dads. It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean you're evil. It's just the truth. We all bear the heritage of Adam. We are sons and daughters of Adam. And all of our dads are sons of Adam. It's just the truth that despite the best efforts, there's an imperfection there. There's an imperfection there. The relationship with dad is one of the best things in the world. Some of the greatest memories that we all have are probably with our dads. And also, if we're honest, also contains some of the most painful moments that we spend a lifetime trying to heal. And when it comes to that pain, what I've learned in my walking with a lot of people is that most people prefer to be fairly dishonest about what sorts of fathers they had. Skewing the stories, polishing the memories, making excuses. Things like this, I hear this. He was an okay dad. He came to my games and he tried to support me. Or I know he could have been more emotionally available, but he went through a lot of his own heartache. I feel bad for the way his life turned out. Or this. My dad was pretty level-headed, but he would, get, he would lose his temper sometimes. My dad was gone quite a lot, but you know, he did a good job providing for our family. See, friends, there's truth there. There's also layers of self-deception and and insulation that we've put in place to protect our hearts from the real, raw pain and hurt that was really there when we were little boys and girls. Because until we understand, listen very close, until we understand that honor and honesty are the two sides of the same coin, you will likely be inclined to separate them. Honor and honesty are the two sides of the same, co- same coin. We got to get honest. The doctor can only heal the real wound. Only wounds that we really honestly expose can really honestly be healed. Honesty, though, it's not about blaming our fathers or merely naming their sins. It's about opening our hearts to the deepest pain and hunger within us, and and owning the implications of everything that came about as a result of all of that. See, God desires for us to grieve these stories. There are very old tears in us that have never been cried, and I know that because I've walked with so many people, and oftentimes when the floodgates finally open, you just get the sense that, man, these are some old tears that have never been shed. These are old tears. He wants us to grieve because God wants to father us. Because he's our father, right? Blessed are we who mourn because we'll be comforted right into these places where our hearts have learned to cope, right? God the Father desires to press in with his mercy, with his tenderness, with his affection, with his engagement, with his blessing, right? If we never honestly name the wounds, then the medicine will never honestly be able to reach the pain. That's just spiritual physics 101. 
if we just constantly live in the I'm fine world, we'll never actually be healed. Like our pasts, all of us, our pasts are this mixture of weeds and wheat. I love that image that Jesus has. It's a wheat field, but it's filled with weeds. It's a mixture of weeds and wheat. But if we never name the pain, then the blessing that the Father has declared over us, that the Father declares over his Son, Jesus, that blessing, you are my beloved Son, you are my beloved daughter, and with you I am well pleased. If we never get honest about the cry of the heart, then that blessing will never be able to reach us. You see, Jesus entered, he entered the water, he entered those waters to give you and I access to the Father. Something that we couldn't have had without him. Access to God, access to the one who like made the rings of Saturn, access to the God of the universe, access to the God of the covenant. We have access to him. You can call upon his name. His heart is moved by you. His heart is moved by you. You have access to him. He entered those waters for you and I to hear what he heard. There's so many of us as Christians who live our whole lives like never knowing the father's love. Like that's the saddest part of that whole story of the prodigal son. It's not the young son that makes me sad. It's the older son who lived his whole life in his father's house and never knew his father's love. He thought that all he was supposed to do was work for his dad, earn his place. There are so many of us who have spent our entire lives living in the father's house who never know the father's love. Jesus entered those waters for you to be as secure in your identity as he was, for you to know your place, that you have what it takes, that you're enough, just as he knew all of that. And he knew it because his heart was deeply received, like his heart deeply received and his heart deeply believed the words of blessing that were spoken over to him. The image that I had in prayer earlier this week I wasn't going to share it, but I think I, the Holy Spirit wants me to share it. We're living through some crazy times, some really, really tough times. It's like we're in the midst of a hurricane. Winds are whipping. It's hard to see. It's blinding. The image I had all of a sudden was I felt myself in the midst of this chaos, and all of a sudden it all began to subside as the eye of the hurricane settled over me. And it looked, and I looked up, and there was just this bright blue sky. And it was all calm and still, and I saw the Father looking down. In the eye of the hurricane, he looks at us and says, I see you, and I got you, and you're going to be okay, and I love you, and I'm working it out, and I'm so pleased with you. I want to end this homily by doing something I've never done with you before. I want to impart upon you what's called the, the Father's Blessing. It's a long litany. And as I'm praying, I want, I want you to let your heart hear the Father's voice, to let that eye of the hurricane settle over you, to let yourself be little again, to know that into all those places of want and pain that you've never really acknowledged, right there the Father wants to smile. These are his words for you. So if you feel comfortable, I want to invite you to maybe even just close your eyes and place your hands open upon your lap. It's a posture, right? It's a physical posture that says, I'm open to receive.
May God the Father bless you with goodness and mercy. May God our Father bless you with ability. May God our Father bless you with his abundance. May God our Father make his angels go with you. May God our Father give you assurance of his love and his grace. May God our Father bless you with clear direction in life. May God our Father bless you with a controlled and disciplined life. May God our Father bless you with courage. May God our Father bless you with creativity. May God our Father bless you with spiritual perception of his truth. May God our Father bless you with deep and abiding faith in his Son, Jesus Christ. May God our Father bless you with his favor as well as man's favor. May God our Father bless you with good health. May God our Father bless your hands to bless others. May God our Father bless you with his peace and happiness. May God our Father bless you with fulfillment in life. May God our Father bless you with hope and a good outlook on life. May God our Father bless you with contentment. May God our Father bless you with a listening ear. May God our Father bless you with a long life on earth. May God our Father bless you with an obedient heart to the Spirit of God. May God our Father bless you with pleasant speech. May God our Father bless you with a pleasant personality. May God our Father bless you with promotion, protection, provision, safety, strength, and success. May God our Father bless you with trust and holy wisdom. May God our Father bless you with goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life that you might dwell secure in the house of the Lord forever. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bless you with all the promises of God, which are yes and amen. May the Holy Spirit make you healthy and strong in mind, body, spirit, and soul to move in faith and expectancy. May God's angels be with you always to protect and keep you. I now bless your ears to hear the lovely, the uplifting, and the encouraging, and to shut out the demeaning and the negative. May your feet walk always in holiness and may your steps be ordered by the Lord Jesus himself. May your hands be tender, helping hands to those in need, hands that will bless. May your heart be humble and receptive to others and to the things of God, but not to this world. May your mind be strong, disciplined, balanced, and faith-filled. May God's grace be upon your home that it may be a sanctuary of rest and renewal, a haven of peace, where sounds of joy and laughter grace its walls, where love and unconditional acceptance of one another is consistent. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And may the Lord bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.